0: Welcome to another episode of Reverse Ambition, a podcast about those who take a leap to follow their dreams and passion. I have an amazing guest. She's actually a super nerd. She is a proud island gal born and raised in Trinidad, first generation college grad, double IVA with degrees from Cornell and Columbia University and a PhD in education former teacher, high school principal, university professor, current educational consultant, and now entrepreneur. Please welcome Dr. Nicole Grimes. What's up, Nicole? Hey,
1: Kelsey. What's up? I'm good. How are you? Happy New Year, girl. Happy New Year to you, too. I'm ex- thank you for having me. No, thank you for being
0: on here. I'm excited for my listeners to hear your amazing journey. And uh, so we're going to get this started. My first question, I usually say, walk me through your journey or take me through your journey. Start from where, you, where, you, uh, where you're from, where you went to school, what you majored in, and we we'll could just go from there. Sounds good?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, well, as you introduced me, so I was not born in the U.S., I was born in Trinity, um, and I came to America when I was. 14, 15 years old, started high school, in the middle of high school here, and ended up becoming an engineering major at Cornell. Had no clue what engineering really was, but you know, having curving parents, it wasn't, it wasn't doctor or lawyer, but it, it made the cut. So, mm-hmm. you know, pursued engineering. And while I was an engineering major, um, I got involved in a lot of um, organizations dedicated to, you know, STEM education, one of them being NSBE, which is the National Society of Black Engineers, and long story short, I just kind of really developed an interest in working with children,
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: just, you know, getting kids hyped, like brown kids hyped about, you know, pursuing STEM careers, and, you know, wanting to pursue First of all, let me, for 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 those who don't know,
0: what's STEM again? What does STEM mean?
1: It's just an acronym that stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Mathematics.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. So um, so, yeah, while I was an engineering major, you know, was doing all this cool stuff in Ithaca with NSBE and my world kind of opened up to education. And at the time, New York City was really, really pushing one of their new programs, um, which is actually still around today. It's called the Teaching Fellows Program.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know if you've heard of it and they were heavily recruiting at Cornell and all these other campuses because they were trying to get, you know, fresh out of college grads to consider becoming teachers, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of like venturing off into other professions. And I thought about it and thought about it and I said, you know what? I I want to I think I want to do this, but I don't want to just be thrown into a random classroom without preparation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, after a little a little bit of, you know, time, you know, working at corn incorporated doing some engineering stuff i decided let me give this education stuff a shot and see what it's like mind you i was like major introvert trying to get into this extremely extroverted profession Mm -hmm. which is another story but i ended up applying to grad school got into columbia went to teachers college at columbia university and as soon as i was done in two years i started teaching in a private school in manhattan and I thought it was going to be like a one year spin of the school and it ended up being 12 years. Wow. Which, which was really unexpected. Yeah. Did and, did,
0: did your uh, career thus far, you know, totally went as you envisioned or it just, this is, you know, nothing like you envisioned?
1: No, I, I mean, first of all, I was like 20 something years old. I had no clue what I was doing. Um, but I knew that as ed- pursuing education felt like the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. It really, really did. My parents didn't know what the hell was going on with me. They they thought I was crazy, as most West Indian parents would.
0: Are you serious? And Why? I,
1: I mean, because, you know, my parents were like, you went to this big Ivy League university, and, like, you want to pursue teaching? Can, <laughs> can we not get a job where you hold a briefcase and work a every day kind of thing? Oh,
0: right right, right, right.
1: Right? You know, I mean, you know this whole perception of what success looks like and feels like right, right. That and our parents kind of tried to project onto us sometimes mm-hmm. but i did my own thing and you know the, the the teaching thing kind of like started to stick and feel really good and i got in a groove
2: mm-hmm. and my
1: mentor mm-hmm. um was in graduate school at the time pursuing his doctorate um his name is dr rusley pitts shout out mm-hmm. to him he's the chair of um middle high school education over leaving College. And he really pushed me to consider returning to grad school to get a doctorate. Okay. And this was in like in 2005. So, and by, one second, before
0: was like, this, how many degrees you already have? I, I count two so far.
1: That was two. I, I still had two at this time. And there he was trying to tell me I need to go back to school. And I was like, are you crazy? <laughs> I was like, I'm done. I'm so done with school and loan.
0: Exactly.
1: But... He was he was really persistent, and he said just just try. He's like, I think you have a really good shot of um of getting in and being a top candidate. And so I applied. I literally walked the application in to the graduate center, CUNY, on the day that it was due, mm-hmm. after work. And I ended up getting accepted. And I, I found out later on through the great friend that I was the number one candidate accepted that year in my cohort. Wow. Ride for... So I got a I had a full ride. Um, oh, nice. There was no way I was getting any, you know, taking on any more loans at this point. So I had, I was super, super blessed, super mm. blessed. It mm-hmm. still blows my mind that um, I was uh, named a chancellor fellow and that covered all of my tuition and everything for the full time that I was pursuing my doctorate. Mm-hmm. So, and then we were, we were teaching all day and we were doing the doctor thing all night for four years. That's a long, that's a lot of hours. How many hours was that? Um... Well, the average the average doctor degree takes about six years, give oh. or take, six years. Ouch! And I was like, "Yeah, nah, that's not happening. <laughs> we wow. need to be, we need to be in and out, in and out." So I was going to work. I was the chair of the department of the science department, and I was at grad school three to four days every week.
0: Wow!
1: For three and a half years. No I was like, life. We are knocking this out.
0: So, how long did it take you?
1: I finished in four and a half.
0: Oh, wow. Did that go fast or was it took forever?
1: Um, it, it, I don't know. I feel like in retrospect, it feels like it went by really quickly. But I guess when you're going through the motions and you're like, there were some days I was going to work with two hours sleep because I was up writing.
0: Two hours. Sleep, and then I would
1: just literally, yeah. Or sometimes I would literally write, shower and just go to work and teach all day. Wow. So there were times it was intense, but I was so focused on finishing. Like I really, really wanted to finish. And I knew that I had a, a real shot at, you know what I'm saying, like completing the degree in a reasonable amount of time because I was probably the youngest in my program.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Most of the other um, people that I was uh, in the program with, they were moms and dads, right? They were like 40s, 50-year-olds. And you
0: were like 20, like 27, 28?
1: I was 28, 20 something, like 29, something around there. Yeah. So uh-huh. I was pretty young. Wow. So I was like, I don't have, I don't have like the responsibilities that, you know, some of my colleagues have, like they're full families.
0: Right. Right. So I, was right.
1: Like, I was like, you can do this. So I did. I was like, I just stuck my head down, stayed focused. And I was like, I'm done. I and just want to be done. So and I, you
0: were a doctor at 29? Uh, it
1: was probably like 30. yeah probably 30 I think around that time yeah
0: so you finished a six-year program in four and a half years how did you feel after when you were done accomplished I'm sure
1: so relieved and never wanted to see a book open again
0: Uh, right (laughs) shoot and this is like what this is what your third or third degree
1: that was four because when you enroll in a doctoral program it's Typically a joint degree program, meaning you get a master's degree along the way. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, a, you know, a few years in, I earned a second master's degree. And then at completion with my defense and everything, then I, I got the fourth degree. So, yeah.
0: Right. What happened yeah. to your personal life during that time? Anything? Non-existent?
1: <laughs> no, I was still in soca parties. Don't Were you? I, I was. How the hell are you,
0: uh, because first of all, these soca parties are lit. So how are the hell yeah. you were, go to school at dates, you know, go to work in a day and do a full of master's program at night and squeeze in soca party in between?
1: Because you got to have balance, honey. work like wow. balance. Oh, okay. I have always, I've always been like a huge, you know, proponent of like work hard, play mm. hard all day, every mm. day, okay. every day
0: wow that's 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 amazing that is yeah amazing. I, I mean
1: it was it was surreal to finish and be there to even just think that like i went from being this little girl growing up in this island and the biggest dream that i had my entire life was to come to america like that was my dream to come to america and go to, to go to a college
0: a college and i don't care which college a college okay so you end up end up in cornell in columbia (laughs) wow
1: which is i didn't even understand honestly i did not understand at 16 years old because i turned 17 right before i was about to graduate Mm. i was pretty young right? right i'm a child and i who had recently migrated to this country i had little understanding of the gravity of, like, you know, what I was walking into and the significance of it. Right. You know, it really, really didn't. It was like, oh, I'm going to school called Cornell. Okay. Right.
0: So you didn't right? know nothing about Ivy League school. Know nothing. No, nothing. Like... No, I mean,
1: don't get me wrong. We did. But, like, you know, on, on, a, on the world scale, at least at that time, you know, the Ivy schools that, like, most people know about, even like, it doesn't matter if you live in some remote little you know village somewhere like you know what harvard is you Mm -hmm. know what princeton is you know what yale is right you don't really hear about you know starsmith and brown and cornell and upenn right you don't hear about those schools as much so i didn't i had never heard about cornell right i honestly did it until my my guidance counselor handed me an application she was like fill this out and i just did it
0: i had a great guidance counselor
1: which is so rare these days in you know public schools. Very so rare. Very rare. Rare, rare. Yeah.
0: All right. So here you are, thirty-something years old. You know, now you're a doctor with four degrees. Are uh, you still a teacher?
1: No. No. At this point, at this point, yes, I hadn't quit teaching yet. hmm I stayed with it. Okay. Um, much to many people's chagrin, um, they were disappointed. Um, at my decision to stay in secondary ed and stay mm-hmm. teaching at a high school level with a PhD. But I was like, but this is what I love. And this mm-hmm. was the impetus for pursuing another degree. I wanted to get better at my job. I wanted to be, you know, my, uh, my best self, right. the best possible educator I can be. So I stayed, I stayed at the same school and while colleagues went off to academia and they got jobs as assistant professors and I was like, I'm not interested in that right now.
0: Wow. You were just that passionate about being a teacher
2: and-
1: I did. I really, really wanted to be a teacher and at that time, and I was, I felt personally like, I was like, I'm now in my groove. I'm now Mm. starting to feel like I got this.
0: Right. figured out life, right? (laughs)
1: Yeah, like, you know, I, I walked into, you know, to walk into work and not feel the stress that you feel, like, in your first five years of teaching, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to describe to somebody who's not in a profession, but, like, I was in that space where I was like, man, like, this feels so easy, I love my kids, right? you know, like, I am in charge of a department, Okay. you know, I worked my way up, and, you know, things are good, I have this degree, I didn't pay for it, life is good, right? you know, right. but well, things happened? were going well. But then you know what happened. What happened? You know what happened? I realized, oh, you got way too comfort, way mm. too comfortable. You know, and you know what they say about comfort zones. Comfort zones a beautiful place, but nothing ever grows there.
0: Right. So you were, so you got scared because you got too comfortable.
1: I realized that I needed to make an immediate change. Okay. Because I was too comfortable, and I was like, yeah you're not going to grow anymore if you just keep doing this. Right. Okay. So what did you do? I was like, okay, well, what next? I have these four degrees. Mm -hmm. I should be able to do anything on this at this point. And I started looking, I was like, should I do the nonprofit world? Should I finally um, become a professor at a university full time? Should I find another school to go to? Like, what should I do? And long story short, um, Time was ticking. I couldn't, I hadn't put my finger on what the next move would be. Um, so I took a position that I had seen posted on Indeed, whatever. And it was at a school pretty close to my first school.
2: Mm-hmm. And it was
1: to be an AP, an assistant principal. Mm-hmm. And the job description was like, you know, very similar to the responsibilities that I had as a chair of a an mm-hmm. department. So I was like, and it was a one year position. So I was like, great. It's literally the same commute. I'll just take this one year job. And then in that that time, I'll figure out my next steps.
0: Right. And then
1: I'll have another administrative position on my resume.
2: Right.
1: And so that's what I did. I accepted a job at a a second school, which happened to be an all-girls high-performing school in Manhattan. Right. And what drew me to the school was because I am a graduate of a high-performing school in Trinidad. Mm. So I was like, oh, this kind of feels like home, you know?
0: So this going a bit. To making this move, you got out of your comfort zone.
1: Yeah, which was really, really scary, Galilee. I can't tell you how difficult that first year was. Okay. It was so, so hard to be somewhere where I didn't know a kid. I didn't know a teacher. I didn't know a parent. I was a stranger. There was only one other brown person in the building. Uh-huh. I was in a position of authority, right? right. The school was mostly white.
2: <laughs> right. Oh,
1: it was, I ate, lunch by myself every single day in my office
0: are you serious it
1: was rough it was rough it Dang. was so rough
0: well, you stay with it why why you stay then and plus it was you only know, plus well, it was only a one-year program i mean
1: right it was a it was a one-year contract mm-hmm. to be the assistant of the school and then i'm not kidding you life has a really funny way of like just unfolding so to speak mm-hmm. i was there You know, trying to figure life out, trying to find happiness every day, going into work. And in November of the, as as soon as I got there, so school starts in September, right? So November, I got pulled in by the current principal and I got reached, I got contacted by the board of trustees that said, we would like you to consider becoming the principal next year. What? And I was on the job for three months and I was like, wait, what?
0: Did and, did they have that intention when they hired you, or you know how that came uh, about? Like so so quickly.
1: I don't know. Um, I don't know. I can't speak to specifics, but uh-huh. obviously there was some stuff training behind the scenes that I walked into mm-hmm. that I was unaware of.
0: Even though you were having a hard time that first year, all this stuff, all these things was happening.
1: Yeah. So I got offered position to run the school and be the the first non-religious figure running the school in its 120 year history
0: wow and
1: and i was i mean i they told me to think about it and i went home and i remember thinking like i never wanted to be a school principal i never wanted to do administration because it was so removed from the kids and it was just Mm. all about dealing with people and politics and i'm like oh i'm not so fond of people i love working with kids So it was just never, it was never on my radar. It was never on my radar. And I remember thinking to myself, imagine like the odds of coming to a school with no intent of being there right? and then having such a crazy opportunity, you know. Did you look at it as an
0: opportunity or did you were like, oh, I'm not ready for this. Oh my God. Why me? You know?
1: No, 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 no. I was just like, I cannot even believe that they look at me and they think that I'm capable of doing this job, mm-hmm. never having been a principal before. Right. And I just remember sleeping on it and praying on it and saying to myself, you know what? I I have to, I have to say yes. I have to say yes, and I have to say yes for the for the very reason that I want to say no, which is I knew that the job entailed. Um, mediating a lot of difficult and challenging situations with people Uh like managing people and personalities and, you know, and being like, you know, like pushing and nudging teams along Uh uh, and creating a vision for people to kind of like, you know, fall under and work towards. And I, you know, I knew that that was really, really difficult and I did not have that much experience doing it. And I was like, this is exactly the reason you need to Uh do it. You need to do this job so that you can get better at, being at the helm so to speak and figuring out how do you inspire people. Right. You know? How, because that's what truly the tip is really about.
0: Right. How afraid were you?
1: I was I wasn't afraid. I was more I I was more longing for like people to talk to about mm. the job that I was stepping into because I didn't have any colleagues who you know were at that level
0: right and your friends of course wasn't any help that was a whole different right so
1: on one hand my colleagues were either classroom teachers mm -hmm. and the other hand they were professors at the university level Mm -hmm. so i didn't have a network of school leaders to be like you know okay this is what you do and blah 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 and like somebody to like
2: reach out to
1: and then to and like so i really really was doing this alone
2: mm. um
1: and that that definitely made it much more challenging because I accepted a position the second school year came and just based on the, the structure of the school there was there was no support and administrative staff so I did not have a vice principal
2: mm. I did
1: not have a full-time dean I did not have an administrative assistant I literally how big was the school the about
0: 300
1: kids close to 300 kids
0: that's a lot of it's a lot of kids. <laughs>
1: it's, a small, it's a small high school. Right. But, um, but it was really, really hard. It was really, really tough. But I said, you know what? I have so much writing on this. Being the first person of color, the youngest mm. person of color, first person who's not a nun running this school because it's right. a Catholic school. Um, I was like, I can't screw this up because I'm going to screw this up for every Brown person or every person, you know, who is not a religious figure after me. I was like, I got to do this right. I got to get this right. So, so it, you
0: know, quick question for things that you didn't know and you didn't have anyone to turn to and you didn't have an experience. How did you figure, you know, figure things out?
1: You know, you're probably less at this response, um, the crazy thing is I, I always tell people I never personally felt that I, I worked in schools where I had these large life administrative figures who I looked to as like, wow, like one day I wish I could be like you. I, I aspire to be like you as a school leader. Mm-hmm. You know, my experience actually kind of put me in, 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 into um, close proximity to people who were not great right? There, there were things had elements that were, you know, that were just indicative of poor leadership.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I basically utilized that as, as my, like, you know, my toolkit. Right. I had awesome experience in what not to do running a school. <laughs> so that's what I did. So you did a total like, opposite of I what remember, they would have done. <laughs> yeah, I just no, but I remember, like, from my days as a teacher and whatnot, I would be like, man, if I was a principal, I would never do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I those things stuck with me. Mm. And those things are actually what drove me and helped me. Mm-hmm. And honestly, one of the biggest assets to helping me do the job well was because I was a classroom teacher. Mm. Because it was easy for me to put my, to treat myself in the shoes of a teacher and know right. what a teacher needs, what they would be pissed at, what they would embrace and welcome, right? What they w- would be receptive to what they really need for their kids, mm-hmm. what they need. Right. So because I was a teacher and I was in the classroom for so long, it actually helped me a lot more mm-hmm. than I thought it would have. Right. Stepping into the shoes of a school leader. So. Right. But yeah. you said you
0: had different parties you had to deal with, right? Besides teachers, right? Like. Of course. Like parents, yeah. board board members and all that kind of stuff. How is that?
1: Absolutely. You got vendors, you have alumni. I had the archdiocese. Um, You know, just just so many stakeholder groups, staff members, um, and, you know, people who invest in the school. There's just a lot of different people who are tugging on you and and saying things in the air. And you have to make decisions um, for the greater good of the school based on everyone's, you know, interests and everyone's desires, which is really, really hard. Because, you know, when you have those situations, somebody's not going to be happy.
0: Right. Right. Somebody's
1: never happy.
0: So you had to make tough decisions.
1: Every single day. Probably every half an hour every
0: day. So did you end up getting a vice principal and a dean eventually or it was just you No.
1: What? It was just me. It was just me. It was just me. And I was I was pretty spent. Mm. I loved the school. I loved my job. Loved the kids. Mm-hmm. But I was pretty spent. So after four years, I just abruptly decided that this is going to be my last year i was like because that would have made so this is 2018 mm-hmm. 2018 made 17 18 years in the profession
0: mm. You're and right.
1: i was like you sound yeah. like you were burnt out yeah i was getting burnt out for sure for sure and i just remember thinking i refuse to be that school principal who everybody hates, who everybody turns the other direction when she's coming down the hallway, right. who the kids don't want to talk to, you know, who's, right. who's considered mean and unapproachable right. and, you know, disconnected. I was like, that's not going to be me. Mm-hmm. And I am i thought and thought about it and for, for a long time. And I was like, you are talking about making another crazy decision
2: mm-hmm. in your
1: life. But right. Walking away from my first job and after like I got I, you know, I released the fare and I just moved on and moved forward through it, then I just became like, Oh well, if I don't I'm not happy here. I think I, I think it's time to go. I think it's next. I'm getting burnt out. I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna be, become this, this like miserable person. So mm-hmm. I should I should I should make a graceful exit. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. I announced my resignation. Everyone was floored, floored. People mm-hmm. cried, people were upset. people didn't understand why. but you know I, I told myself I was like, you, you've dedicated almost 20 years of your life to serving others, mm. to serving the children of others and it's okay to say that I'm taking a temporary break to kind of like take care of myself
0: right right like,
1: You were burnt out, you were
0: tired you but you know yeah. you weren't you weren't comfortable in this because the first time you transition, is because you felt too comfortable. In this situation, you were like, "I'm, you know, I'm burnt out. I'm tired. Am I right?" Yeah, but
1: it was, yeah. No, that's right. And it was really about recognizing, like, look, it's it's okay to say, like, I need to take care of myself right now. Mm-hmm. Right, like it's okay. Everything's going to be fine, and and that's literally what I did. Mm. Um, even though I, at the time that I made the decision, um, it was really more like. Man, I need a break. Man, I need a break. But there was, as I remember sharing with you before, there was no like super long term planning that happened. I just
0: just did I just it. said,
1: I'll, yeah, I just did it, and I was like, I'll figure out the next steps.
0: So you didn't have I'll, a job?
1: No, oh. I didn't leave for a job. I didn't, you know, I had money saved, but there was no opportunity that I was moving on to, or I was not interviewing. I was not doing any research about anything.
2: I just said
1: Nicole needs a sabbatical. Nicole needs a little break. I've earned it. I deserve it. And after I, you know, after my last official day, I, I probably hit five countries that summer, mm-hmm. 2018. 2018. Five and countries. Then, what
0: countries did you visit?
1: Well, I I went to Zambia, mm-hmm. and then I jumped down to South Africa, and then when I came back, I. To the u.s then shortly after i left i went to columbia wow i went to Cartagena, and then i went to jamaica um to party mm-hmm. you know i've had to get some of that in the system
0: right right and
1: yeah i'm trying to think of where else i went oh i, I went to four countries and then i went on a fifth trip so i went to i went to montgomery alabama i've never been down south alabama Hell, yeah, what you do in Alabama? <laughs> so at that time, Brian Stevenson, um, who is like hot topic in the news right now because of his book turned movie Just Mercy, mm. um, so his so the Equal Justice Initiative that he founded, mm-hmm. um, basically had done years of research and b- compiled all the names of that they could find of blacks who were lynched in the United States. Oh, wow. And that information was converted into a museum.
2: Oh, wow. So,
1: the, so that's the, you know, what what they call the lynching museum in Montgomery.
0: Oh, wow. So you went to visit the so lynching museum.
1: <laughs> I was like, when the news came out, I was like, I have to see this. I have to go. I have to visit. So I met a girlfriend. We drove to Montgomery. We did the museum. From New York? No, well, no, I flew down to Atlanta. We drove from Atlanta. Oh, and okay. Then we drove to Selma. We walked over the bridge, you know. Wow. We had a little Black Girl Magic History Tour.
2: Right. And
1: that was amazing. That was really, really amazing. Because a lot of times, you know, we, you know, when we think about travel and we think about richer experiences, we do tend to think a lot more about traveling internationally. Mm-hmm. But I've always been a huge fan of domestic travel and, like, seeing this country, um, you know, wow. in its entirety. So that was the fifth trip that I snuck in there.
0: Wow. And then I came
1: back to New York, and I was like, okay, what are we going to do now?
0: How was your money situation after five trips?
1: I was still good. I was still good. Okay. I was, I was still hanging in there.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and then probably maybe two or three months after that, then I was like, okay, time to work now. What are we going to do? <laughs> and, wow. And then the, the following... So, when January came, 2019 is when I started um, teaching at the university level again and started officially doing consulting mm-hmm. again. Okay. So I kind of put the, the, sec- the second half of 2018 off mm. and literally just traveled and, like I said, spent time with friends and, you know, right. worked we'll in my apartment. So, you how know, did really you so enjoy
0: before. your emancipation, you know, that period where you're like, from burnt out to where you end up being, where you, you know, you become a professor again. How was that experience? Was it liberating? Was it free? Do you have any worries? Were you just enjoying
1: it? I was, you know, like at first I went through stages, you know, like how you go through stages of like grief. They mm-hmm. say, you know, I went through stages and mine, you know, encompassed like being in a tremendous shock. <laughs> that like, you, did, you did you just do? did something crazy right like what did you do then I went I went for a period where I felt I was grieving right like I'm gonna miss my children and I'm gonna miss you know what I'm saying like being in the school and and mm-hmm. so on and so forth and then I went to a space where I was just like I was confused and I was I felt like I was a little disoriented mm. and the crazy thing is you know um I don't and I also went through a phase where I was I was angry and mm. I wish that things had been different. You know, um, I I think angry at the circumstances in life and and wishing that things had been different. So I would have not been not been burnt out Mm. and been able to stay in this job longer. Mm -hmm. You know, and then, you know, what? life really showed me that sometimes, you know, not getting what you want can be a wonderful stroke of luck Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I was able to realize so like September came. The new school year came in the fall of 2018. And I just remember sitting at home in my apartment and I was just looking around like, do, 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 like, you know, total thumbs. And I remember thinking and realizing for the very first time in my entire adult life that I was experiencing what it felt like to not be under stress. Wow. Wow. And I I went through days and I was like, what is going on? I couldn't, I couldn't put it into words. And then I realized that that's what it was. I was not operating under any anxiety. There wow. was no stress about the train schedule, the train, get, you know, the MTA running late and getting to school late. There was no stress about this is happening and that's happening. I have this deadline. I have to take care of this report. This kid needs this. This teacher needs this. There was just, I had, there, I had no stressful deadlines, no mm. stressful decision-making in my life. Anymore. Was that like euphoric?
0: Had, was that like a euphoric feeling? It was like. It's just a calm feeling. What kind of, you know, no stress. How does that feel like not being stressed?
1: <laughs> Listen, like I said, I was in a daze because I did not at first realize that that's what I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. And then once I realized that that's what it was, I was just like, oh, my God. this, wow. this we, We're all so caught up in this rat race of like nine to five work right? And feeling like we're not being, we're not uh, making meaning of our life or we're not being impactful unless we're, you know, in this like rat race of a nine to five job, mm-hmm. you know, and working long hours and grinding, right? No sleep and hustled, you know, whatever, you know, all that stuff. Like we were, pro- we're programmed
0: process. to like, you know, do slave labor, stress, <laughs> you know? And we
1: celebrate it. Right. And we celebrate it. Like if you're not doing that, if you Something wrong, that life, something's wrong with you, right? And the truth is, that's trash, mm. that's complete garbage because you absolutely have to have balance, you absolutely have to take care of yourself, right? Because if you can't be your best self, you can't be your best self, but no one else mm-hmm. or nothing else that you do in your life. Period. So, going through that um, experience of just realizing, like, wow, I am absolutely like i I feel calm and i have a a different kind of clarity Mm -hmm. right and i was just i started thinking i actually remember joking to my father i was like dad none of my friends really know me (laughs) i was like and he's like what the hell are you talking about he's like because my entire life i've been stressed and probably wow and now i'm like not stressed and now i'm like normal Nicole again so
0: you became a totally different person
1: Right. That's what I started feeling like. I started feeling like I was a totally different person, Uh um, not operating under stress. Mm. And having that clarity in the space, you know, allowed me to start thinking about, okay, I've spent almost two decades of my life trying to um, make a difference in urban education. What do I want to do next? How do I want to continue to inspire others? How do I want to continue to be impactful? What what talents and gifts do I have, right, that I can continue um, to do so, but maybe in a different space, maybe in a different arena? Right. And I just said to myself, there's so many things that I love. So this is my shot. This is my opportunity to just try a bunch of different things and mm-hmm. see what sticks. Was... And, yeah, when we talked last year, I think like this was kind of like the nature of our conversation, right, when right. we had just – we, we were just touching base, and I was like, I'm, tr- I'm doing this. I'm trying this. Mm-hmm. You like, "You were telling me, like, nah, you're going to have to pick one, Nick. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we'll see. But I was like, I'm, I'm going to wait to see what sticks and what feels right and mm-hmm. what feels good. Um, and, yeah, a year later I could say that something definitely stuck. And so last year I started an LLC mm-hmm. called the Carabiz Network, CBN and basically it's an educational collaborative platform for small Caribbean businesses, brands, freelancers, and basically I promote um, Caribbean brands. Mm-hmm. I connect brands with each other. I can con- I connect brands to new markets.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I work a- I work in, in the capacity of like uh, forging partnerships with other agencies mm-hmm. just to promote mm-hmm. Caribbean entrepreneurship right and this has, really by really, the way this
0: has nothing to do with your degrees though
1: no <laughs> not at all i know right
0: <laughs> like really like
1: what how that That's came about
0: what inspired you, you to go what? in that I, direction
1: i think it. Huh, i haven't it's funny i haven't been asked that in a while but i feel like with all the free time that i got when i was home
2: mm-hmm.
1: after you know last year no not last year the fall of 2018 I was on social media more,
2: Mm. you know,
1: so I'm like posting more. I'm seeing what people are doing more. And one of the things that I've always been really, really passionate about is like, you know, promoting what my peoples are doing, Mm. you know, so whether they are having an event or they're, they have a product or service, whatever. Like I was just always sharing that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff. And in, in, you know, in my time of introspection and just thinking about, well, what makes you happy? What do you love doing? And I was like, I love everything Caribbean. I love promoting mm-hmm. every single thing that's Caribbean, that's positive, that's intellectual, right? Because mm-hmm. we, clearly, we have the whole entertainment scene on lock, right? Like mm-hmm. there are people with PhDs in throwing sets
2: <laughs> right? and
1: us having a good time. Right. But I've always been like just a huge um, cheerleader of, again, anything related to the islands, our culture, um celebrating our contributions to American culture. Uh-huh. And it just kinda grew into like I said, oh, you know what, let me just let me just make a Instagram page and I'll just post, you know, peoples that I know and the cool things that they're doing. And uh-huh. it's just gonna be Caribbean folks. And it just started off as a hobby. I was just kinda like randomly post here there. Uh-huh. It would be like clothing brands that I love that I've bought from the Caribbean or, you know, just friends of friends doing cool things. And it just kind of grew, and it just started growing. People started hitting me up like, "Hey, I'm looking for a brand that, you know, Caribbean-owned brand that does X, Y, Z. Do you know anyone?" Oh, so wow. I started getting a lot, of, a lot of those kind of requests and DMs. A lot, a lot of those requests, and that kind of led me to thinking like, "Wow, this has this has real potential here
2: uh-huh. in this
1: in, in this market." And you know, I. I Sat down and tried to focus and I came up with some ideas and I kind of just launched. I launched a brand. When did you had, officially um, launch? February 2019. Okay. Yeah. So I had a, a brunch launch um with a panel of five Caribbean American entrepreneurs at different stages of the game. So one year to ten years. Mm-hmm. And this is like an intimate conversation with like sixty-five people
2: wow, talking 65.
1: about their That's a good number. From an Instagram yeah, page to six or five people. <laughs> it, you know, I know it because I'm working on something else and like, you know, all my numbers, all the, all my metrics are at my fingertips right now. But um, yeah, I, I do remember it too because it was sold out.
2: Wow. It was sold
1: out. The restaurant was sold to capacity, was shut down for the, mm. for the event. And it was just, it was such a great start. Like, you know, I said, let me just do this and see what happens and there was just so much positive feedback and follow up from the event and mm-hmm. like literally the network started expanding and the database started growing you know mm-hmm. and did have a couple of really wonderful partnerships last year with other brands other agencies and that led to the last event I did in the end of the end of November mm-hmm. So um, I partnered with the governor's office in the state of New York and Empire State Development, um, the division of minority women-owned businesses, and Mm -hmm. I had a boot camp for small business owners. So we had about 75-plus business owners, small business owners who came to do like a full day boot camp just to learn how to get um, to acquire government contracts Uh with the state of New York and how to become a certified minority-owned business or women-owned business. Wow. I had it fully sponsored by all Caribbean restaurants. Um, we had, again, representatives from five agencies like Bedside Restoration Corp., the New York Small Business Association. Um, we It was wonderful. It how was did you really figure how great. to
0: grow so quickly? This is nothing you went to school for. How did you kind of put it all together? Just grit, grind, grind, and...
1: Honestly, just good fortune and, like, Just knowing people, just a network, you know, Mm -hmm. having a network that connected me to more people who are interested in things. And it was it was actually really surprising to see how easy so much of this was able to happen because there was like great interest in doing stuff for, you know, and having um, a Caribbean community on a platform, Mm. you know, and, and being able to tap into like, you know, state and local agencies, being able to tap into specifically Caribbean market. Right. Um. Everybody was just really excited. and was like, "Yes, yeah, sign us up!" And I was like, "Wow, it was that easy. One wow. phone call." Yeah. So things things started growing, you know, rapidly. Like the minute I had an idea and I would just follow through on it, it just just magic started happening. Wow. You know, so this event um, launched. Well, happened in November. I launched the platform's um, first line of merchandise for business owners. Mm. Um, there's really cool merchandise that's online that that can be bought hoodies and t-shirts and so on and so forth and just more exciting stuff is happening right now because right now the big kahuna is june 2020 so CaribizCon, the first caribbean american summit for caribbean american entrepreneurs this
0: is your this is older. your event
1: yeah this is uh you came up I'm with the name all that
0: stuff trademark that joint <laughs>
1: Yes, it is actually. So, um, so I'm I'm really really excited. I'm working on right now. There's about 15 to 20 panels um, at work. I'm uh-huh. um, slated to um, to be part of the event. It's going to be a marketplace with vendors for Caribbean vendors. Uh-huh. Um, there's going to be there's a keynote and there's going to be cultural activities, and music. So it's literally the intention is to be like this crazy celebration of Caribbean culture and curbing contributions to American culture, but mainly in the form of enterprise. And Mm -hmm. I'm so, so excited about it right now.
0: Are you doing this full-time?
1: If I'm doing this full-time? Yeah. Well, yeah, alongside consulting, yeah.
0: Wow. So what's the ultimate vision you have for yourself? Now that you're an entrepreneur, you have nothing to do with education, you have all these degrees that you're not using. What's your ultimate vision in terms of where you want to take this, where you want to be? you know, seem you like, you know
1: what, I, I, this idea, this, this all kind of like, you know, spawned from this very simple idea of like, I just want to help my people be put on. Mm. And honestly, that's the vision is still connected very much to that. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, I've amassed, a, you know, a wonderful network of people and I need to put that to use. So mm-hmm. the goal and the vision for CBN is to, again, just, Create enormous access and opportunities to small business owners and people who are trying to work their way up, and in whatever way that CBN can contribute to that, um, that's that's what I would like to have happen, you right. know, um, with the LLC. So I'm really excited about it. Um, I have a lot of there's a lot of plans for other things aside from the summit that I'm working on for June, and again, I should say the target June is because June is very significant. Because mm-hmm. in 2006, it was you know it was declared as National Caribbean American Heritage Month. Okay. So it is it is a, a federally recognized month to celebrate Caribbean culture in America. Oh, nice,
0: nice. Yeah. So yeah, you a s- lot of
1: people don't know that, but yeah. Well,
0: it seemed like you were where you're supposed to be. Something that you love, that you're passionate about. If you had to do everything all over again, would you do anything different in terms of getting your degrees? You know, going to teaching, doing all this thing to, that led you to where you are now. Would you Would you do anything different knowing what you know now?
1: You know what? No. Um, I feel like the growth that's happened with me personally couldn't have happened if I was if I was my usual, typical, trying to overplan Capricorn self. You know, mm. having planned and to be ready to go. Right. I literally did the thing where I took that first step, but I didn't even see the whole staircase. Mm. You know, I just said, I'm just going to take the step.
0: Wow. That's, you didn't see this. You didn't cool. see the next step in front of you. You just took no, the first step. No, I just
1: said, I'm going. This is where I'm going, you know? And it's also so awesome because I'm in this space now where I'm forced to be so creative, right? Right. Creative and innovative in a very different way, you know? And like one of my favorite quotes, One of my favorite Einstein quotes um, goes, like, creativity is, like, intelligence having fun. Wow. And I feel like I'm having so much fun in my life now because I get to be ultimately creative in so many different and new and unique ways. And because of that, I'm getting to, like, really take my dreams seriously and, like, you know, and, and act on them. Right. Um. With intention and purpose, and at the end of the day, like every single thing I'm doing is, I'm doing it because I hope to and want to make a difference. Right. For current Americans.
0: Right. So, is is there still stress? Are you still stress free?
1: I don't feel honestly. There's no, there's no stress related to the kind of work that I'm doing right now. When mm. I mean, I'm sure as June approaches and deadlines start. Right.
2: You know,
0: right
1: start moving i'm gonna to start to feel a different kind of stress because we all fully totally know the stress that comes with event planning um it's on a whole nother level but mm-hmm. day-to-day no day-to-day absolutely not i do not feel and walk around with the kind of stress that i used to and it's right. it's just such the liberation how? is it's indescribable right how did
0: your friends adjust to the new nicole
1: The great thing is I have my friendships have really really blossomed with so many people because Mm. I get to spend more time with them Mm. so like I have a really close girlfriend um that lives in Atlanta too I've gotten to see them so many times because I've gone on to Atlanta like five or six times in the last year I have another really good friend that lives in Raleigh and I had never been able to make it down to Raleigh I was just down there with her for a week you know because I could I could work you know, do what I need to do just from my computer at home. So it's really, really helped me be able to kind of like uh, dedicate time to people in my life that are really, really important to me. And of course, as you probably know from your own, you know, your own journeys, like when you actually are, you open and you share, you'd be Mm -hmm. so surprised at the things that come your way when you open up and you you kind of like share your intentions or something that you're working on. And it's somebody's like, oh, I know someone who does blah, 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 blah. Right,
0: right, right.
1: And it's literally just having dialogue that, you know, just opens new doors for you.
0: Right. Listen, you're like amazing example of why I'm doing this podcast. When people really step out and just follow their passion, be, you know, no matter how scary it may sound or seems, or you may not know where you're going, but you know you need to do something. You're a great example of what comes when you do that you know so really thank you for sharing this journey nick
1: no thank you so much and you know honestly as you know too um from our previous conversation like it's taking that leap it's depending on how you plan for it right it could be smooth or it, or it could be bumpy it mm-hmm. could be a roller coaster ride you know depending on how you plan right and, and knowing you know well, knowing you didn't what, plan like, <laughs> i didn't plan I did a lot of praying, though. (laughs) Right? After a while, I started doing a lot of praying. and Wow. Do you know what? The thing that surprised me the most in some ways, it's like when your back is against the wall, you become so creative. Right. You know, and the hunger, right? The hunger grows and it's so intense and so strong. You're like, I have to figure this out. This has to work, right? right? This has to work. I have bills to pay. I need to take care of this or take care of that. So you really, um, you really really push yourself in new ways right. when you're not in your comfort zone and you need to get things accomplished.
2: Right.
1: So I'm I'm grateful for the lessons that I've learned. You know, from right. being in these spaces at multiple points in 2019, as I you know was trying to figure life out
2: uh-huh. and trying
1: to figure out what is Nicole doing. You know, what how is Nicole going to again be impactful? in her space, because I have a responsibility, right? I have enormous responsibility. Mm-hmm. I was this little island girl who, like, you know, defied all odds of, like, going to university and, and, and having the educational experiences I've had and having having had the professional experiences I've had. I owe people. I owe my community. I mm. owe Brooklyn.
2: You know, right. I owe
1: the you know, for affording me these opportunities in that way. So I have to pass it on, You're Right. you know, I don't have a choice. It wow. has to be passed on. I'm like all the lessons that I've learned, the mistakes that I've made. So I'm so hungry and eager to do that in any capacity. I still have tremendous love for education, of course. I'm still doing consulting. Um, I still work with teachers. I still am in the classroom with kids still nourishes me and brings me so much joy, mm-hmm. but now I get to integrate into my life another huge joy, which is, you know, how I can help small businesses grow from not even ever being an entrepreneur myself. So it's like I became an entrepreneur trying to help entrepreneurs, which is wild and crazy, isn't it? Wow,
0: it is wild and crazy, but it's so dope though. It's, it's so such an amazing journey. Any advice that you would give anyone who was in your shoes, who were burnt out, not happy in terms of where they are? Uh, you know, how do they escape? How do they emancipate themselves? Any advice that you would give anybody who's in that situation that you were in?
1: Yeah, I, I would say, you know, if you don't like something, change it. mm You've got to change it That's simple right? right And if you can't change it right away then change your attitude until you can change it mm. So if you're if you're in a situation and you're stuck and you know you want to get out that you you got to ride out the six months or whatever, then you've got to do the best you can to change your attitude and embrace embrace that experience for what it is and say you know what I am I'm getting out of here but I'm gonna use this last six months this last year to learn as much as I possibly can to mm-hmm. absorb every inkling of information and, and knowledge and expertise that can possibly help me once I walk out that door. Mm-hmm. So you got to change your attitude and recognize while you may not be happy in a position where you are right now, there are things that you can learn that are going to be really, really helpful. So, you know, so you can fatten your toolkit when you walk out the door oh. and then plan, make plans, save money, right? make sure you're investing. Right. Right. As long as you can, make, get, have that company, you know, contribute to your pension.
0: Right. Right. But
1: have a plan, have a plan and be ready to go. And trust yourself. Trust that you are able and you have the capacity to make smart decisions that will take you further and will move you forward. You have to trust yourself.
0: Right. Yeah. Cause a lot of people, they doubt their abilities, you know. Did it ever happen to you, doubt yourself at all?
1: All the time. Mm, it happened you... a lot. Uh-huh. It happened a lot, you know, and, and it happened in connection to just me thinking about my age in life, you know, and what I'd hoped to have done at this point. You know, we, we all do that. Right. You know, and, and I said to myself, it's like, man, cut yourself some slack, right? Like, right. your journey is your journey Let's not do the comparison thing and compare yourself to what other people are doing, where they are. You think about where you started as this little immigrant girl coming to this country at fifteen years old. Mm -hmm. You're doing okay. Right. You're doing okay. And it's only gonna get better. It's only gonna get better like you're just now in like almost like a phase two of your life professionally. (laughs) So
0: that's you know, that's exactly how I I look at where am as well you know this is like the second half (laughs) you know of of my journey
1: you know and just you know you can't i i would say to anyone you know don't delay it Mm. just go for it don't delay it you know because i i hate to just kind of like add a a somber twist to things but like you know tomorrow is not promised right Tomorrow is really, really not promised. You know, mm. we're we're chatting it up here. You know, two days after some of the most devastating news that we've all been hit with, mm. the past, passing of Kobe, that we didn't see coming. You know, and I mean, I'm. It's it's so hard not to think about it for for two reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, for one, just to the point that I just made about, you know, Kobe. Yeah, so many people hold him up in this in this regard as a, a legend in you know as a professional athlete but like he was literally in the phase two mm. of his life being right. a legend in that capacity, right? Mm-hmm. As a filmmaker, as a coach, right? And as a creative, because mm-hmm. he was connected to all these really huge creative projects that we didn't necessarily know about. Mm-hmm. You know? He was he was fully immersed in philanthropy, you know, and he was just doing so, so much. And I'm so as heartbreaking as it is, it's like at least he got some time to really go out there and step out of the, you know, the, the step out of the court and, mm-hmm. and try to try to have happiness in a different way that he wanted right. versus never being able to live that life, you right. know, have some, that I mean, life he that seemed he
0: like he, you know, he seemed like he was having the best time of his life, you know, been yeah. around his kids been around his daughter. You know, it's such a tragic yeah. thing. That's why we, you know, we need to do what we need to do now. Like tomorrow, like you said, tomorrow is not promised. So, yeah. you know, tomorrow never comes. So do it now. So on that note, I'm going to wrap up this conversation. You dropped so many freaking gems. Appreciate you sharing your journey. How can my listeners find you in your endeavors on social media and so forth? Website, uh Instagram, whatever, you know, wherever we can find you. How can they find you?
1: Sure. Um, you can hit me up on Instagram. I have a couple. Um, my, my professional Instagram is at Dr. Nick Grimes. So D-R-N-I-K-G-R-I-M-E-S. Mm-hmm. And my company's Instagram is Carabiz Network. So C-A-R-I-B-B-I-Z Network. Okay. Um, so, that's, yeah, that's where you'll find, well, you know, you you can hit me up and you see what's going on uh, regarding education or regarding the business. And, yeah, and, and all of my links are on those platforms as well, you know, to LinkedIn and everything, my bio and everything else. So, yeah, so come holler at me, hit me up. Happy to give advice. I'm happy to network more people. Um, if you think I could be of help to you, anyone who's listening.
0: Wow. Well. Like I said, your journey, your story is amazing and I know it's gonna inspire so many people. So thanks for sharing, Nicole. Happy New year and I look forward to thank you, you. see what you do in the near and far future.
1: Thank you so much, Gather. I really appreciate uh, the invitation and just this platform and the stories that you're bringing to light for us to you know for us to all draw inspiration from. Definitely. So thank you.
0: Thank you for sharing. Have a good one. Thank you all for tuning into Reverse Ambition Podcast. It is really a pleasure sharing these amazing journeys with you. It may take some time for you to find your purpose and realize your dreams or for your purpose and dreams to find you. When it happens, don't be afraid to pursue them. Be more afraid if you don't. Trust God, trust your journey, and most important, trust yourself, and it will all work out. Until next time, I am Kelsey Cooper, The Social Broker.